Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast that beats a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. Or is that just what we wanted you to think? Today, we're discussing a relatively modern heist game, and I don't want to leave you in the dark about it, but it's a game where you play as rakish cool people, gadabouts, tricksters, some might even call them blades. It's Stealing Stories for the Devil, a Monty Cook game, on today's System Mastery. Wiener skates. Ween. Review newer games. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to System Mastery. I'm, I'm keeping it. I don't care if you were making weird little noises. We're, we're, st- we're sticking with it. <laughs> you got you got to learn to respect Mike discipline, and this is how you're going to do it. I'm going to make you smoke the whole pack of weird little noises. Right in front of Mike discipline. <laughs> So uh, I'm Jeff, and that's John over there, and uh, he's going to be joining us today primarily through weird little grunts, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it's system mastery where uh, where who boy I I believe we're doing a whole ween situation right now, aren't we? Why it is the very spooky season. Tis ween again. <laughs> ween hath come again this year. Ween enough at last. Oh, it's never enough. <laughs> if my Too girlfriends are to enough. be believed. <laughs> Yeah. Uh very funny. Yeah, it's, you see. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, they, they always want to hear more ween. Yeah. Um so, everybody wants more ween. Yeah. So this year we're we're doing uh we've we've done a lot of weans over the years. We have a lot of weans have passed between our hands. Yeah. And uh and year this year's gonna be no exception. We've we've definitely tried to mix up the formula. Early early on in the show history, it was our excuse to do white wolf stuff. Yeah. But those are increasingly very samey and you know, the company's improved a little bit after, like, they yeah. kicked out the old sweet Dracula and everyone else that was bad. But, uh, you know, I'm not in a hurry to, because to, everything we do is the old shit. Yeah. So, not my, not, so instead, we took it as a launching point, an opportunity to discuss all kinds of, of interesting weens throughout the history of role-playing games. <laughs> the history of weens. <laughs> Come along now. and go to the Hall of Weens. Come, Robin, nothing to do now but study the great weens of history. <laughs> Ah, look at all these wonderful Disney animatronic weens. <laughs> so, so this year it's new ween, uh, y- y- which sounds bad, but well, all it no, means- it doesn't. It sounds fine. New <laughs> ween sounds fine. All it means is that we're going to be looking at some new games this October. Yes, that's right. We're going to be looking at some very young ween. <laughs> See, that just sounds worse. See? See, that's bad. New ween, fine. <laughs> I don't like either one. <laughs> Can we just go fresh nubile ween? Fresh ween is that something? <laughs> how about how about ween that's new to me? How about just some real <laughs> real underaged ween? <laughs> no, no, not that one either. Oops, no. <laughs> and again, we're talking about Halloween, not, yeah. not nothing else. Ween. You can put an apostrophe in there. <laughs> you see the thing a couple days ago where some person on Twitter was complained that their kid had changed their, uh, the, the, the kid's school, it was like a Protestant school, oh, yeah. and they changed it from Halloween to Holy Ween, <laughs> and it was like, that's that's what hollow means, uh-huh. dude. <laughs> that's, it means it means hollowed, like holy or sanctioned. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's ho- hollowed Ian, even. <laughs> Evening. It means holy night. That's what it means. My you, dude. You don't need to change. This is like when Letitia Wright was scared of 
uh, vaccines because they contain an, an enzyme called luciferase. <laughs> and she's like, it's got lucifer in it. It was like, dude, I don't think the devil came up from hell to name an enzyme. <laughs> but what the devil does want <laughs> is for you to steal some stories. <laughs> ah, we're not there yet because we still have to do the announcements for this episode. Nah. There's a couple other no, minor. We don't got to do shit, no, these my are, friend. These are relatively minor announcements and they're in-house. We're not doing an ad read. Uh, this is to let people know a couple of changes that are going to be coming to the show. Yeah, sure. So there are two. One of them, it, it should be happening in the next, like, two weeks, which is that uh, we are finally, finally moving from per episode to monthly on Patreon. That's right. So if no, Nothing on your end you need to worry about. You're, yeah, you're going to get some emails about it, but don't worry about it. I won't change anything for you. Uh, basically, if you're currently, like, a $1 pledge, you will become a $2 pledge, but, you know, don't freak out. Because you've been a $2 pledge the whole time. Because we always post two episodes that we charge for. Yes, you've always been a $2 pledge. <laughs> so, Lies. So we're not we're not changing anything. Uh, and then the other one is that we are about to uh, go, move over to a, a, a whole new system of uh, distributing the show. A whole new system of government. Yeah. We're going to feudalism now. <laughs> We've always been feudalist. And I have been king. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, what I was gonna, what I was going to say is out uh, of the way peasants coming through. <laughs> no, we're we're going to be moving to an ad supported model because uh, ad, inflation has been strongly outpacing the Patreon growth for like five years. You know, uh, so in order to keep putting food on the table, we're going to move to an ad supported model. Uh, but there are there are things you can do. First of all, um, you if you're a you patron, can fucking deal with it. You can deal with it. You can use the skip button. I don't give a shit. <laughs> And uh, if you really want ad-free, and I hope you do, then all of the, we'll, we'll keep Patreon uh, functioning, and it will be ad-free there. But it will no longer have a free mode. So at this point, if you want an ad-free system mastery, you'll have to come on to Patreon at at least the $2 level, and then everything that we produce will be ad-free for you. Yeah. So there you go. That's all I wanted to get across. Just letting you know those two changes are a-coming. Yep. Things are in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... You know, we're trying to be as upfront and transparent about everything as possible. Of course. Anyway, you want to talk about stealing stories for the devil? Of from for, from the devil? For, for the devil. For, for the, the devil. the devil's like the spaceship or something. No. It's all, it's all very metaphysical. So here's the thing. Uh, I only gave you book one of three. Okay. <laughs> book one, of course, is for all of the players. Yes. Uh, book. Book. Book two. Yeah, book two. Mm-hmm. I stole that L from the devil. <laughs> now he's just the devil. I feel like Book 2 is just some planet in Star Wars. Probably a desert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, Book 2 and 3 are for the GM. And uh, it gets into a very heavy spoiler for some of the weird things that are going on. The devil being an actual character that is in the game. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, because there's like an introduction in the book that where... It, oh, well, first of all, let's get this out. This might be our first game that was written like entirely by Monty Cook. Like he wrote, I think third and third, some of third edition Dungeons and Dragons. So when we've done reviews, we've 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 read a little Monty Cook work before. Yeah, but usually when we've seen anything from him, especially on here, it's been you know Monty Cook and yes, this is all all his. So this is our first chance to really talk about his style and. and you know, he's a competent writer. He writes some interesting stuff. And really, I think the thing that, that I like to say about Monty Cook is he's a really good CEO. Like, the, the company he's running nowadays is good, and all of the writers he has under him are good. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> so so props to the industry. That said, he does tend to churn out a lot of games where, you know, he gets mad at you if you say wizard about his obvious wizards. And that is one of the big things that I liked when I saw this going up on Kickstarter a while ago. Because mm-hmm. I was like... Oh, look at this neat idea that doesn't have anything about making 
basically D&D, but we changed the name for wizard. <laughs> Except everyone plays as a slight reality alterer, which might as well be some kind of wizard. Nah. But don't say wizard. They're called liars. They're called they're not called they're not called psychics either. They're liars. Hell yeah, they are. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I'm fine with it. It's just I had a problem where I kept reading that as layers. So, <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, you had your problem. Dyslexia. It, indeed. <laughs> so. Uh, so anyway, this is a game about heists and it's very specific about what kind of heists because the story is uh, complicated. Yeah. Now, when, you know, you first, like, take an overview of it, it's like, what's this? All right, you got a, a group of people, and you can lie to reality to make, you know, certain things become true, mm -hmm. and you're using that to perform a heist. You're going to go somewhere and steal something. And you're like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. And then as soon as you ask the question, all right, but why do I have reality-altering powers? The game's like, motherfucker, you better strap in. <laughs> Turn your chair back around to normal and sit. Because <laughs> it's a story. And it's a story that I, I don't really have a term for this, but it's something we encounter every once in a while in role-playing games. And you also sometimes encounter in fiction. And this is going to be a, a very personal concern. I don't think John will agree with me on this one. This, to me, is an example of, the cool shit already happened, and you're playing after the cool shit. <laughs> Which is not... You don't see it super often, usually like post-apocalyptic games, that kind of thing. But in this case, here's the basic rundown of the story. Uh, it, it was the far future, uh, a, a, a while, uh, the 39th century, and humans had all kinds of cool new abilities and technology, and all kinds of shit happened, uh, but they still weren't that good at faster-than-light travel. Then they discovered that rather than doing faster-than-light travel, they could just jump to parallel dimensions. I mean, basically what happens is so far into the future, we've become essentially just a singularity. Like we just no longer had physical bodies. We were like, yo, we're, uh, we're just like a neural net of nanobots and nonsense. That wasn't my reading, but I'm, but I, I guess oh, no, this is, is, that this is the actual the other thing. Okay. Cause in this, everyone sounds like they pretty much got a body and you know, Oh yeah. And, well, here's the thing. Let yeah. me explain oh, what the actual fuck is going on. Sure. Okay. So. So far in the future, this happens, and technology gets to the point where they're like, oh, you know what we can do is break into other realities. Mm -hmm. But you can't just be like, oh, let's send part of our weird nano cloud in there. So they're like, all right, we got to have bodies again. Okay. So they redo biological bodies, but everyone in there is also like half machine at this point. Like, you've got nanites that make up most of your bloodstream, mm -hmm. you've got ridiculous like just wi-fi connectivity to every other person and thing no one ages anymore even if you've got a body it just doesn't age diseases have largely been eradicated yeah so it's you know it's one of those post uh, it's a transhuman semi-utopia yeah it's the full singularity where everyone is just completely evolved but yes. at this point they're like oh if we want to go to other realities we have to actually have bodies, and we have to have a way to go there and come back. Yeah, and so, so they, they build the Celeste, the, a big old cool-looking ship, a big arc kind of ship that will jump between dimensions in a way that makes me think that uh, Monty Cook had recently read Anathem. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that this entire thing feels like he had recently read Blades of the Dark and Anathem, but I feel like a hundred percent that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the Celeste was given the task of, like, all right, go fuck around and find out. And indeed they did. Yes. They, uh, you know, 
went around and they were doing uh just you know general go survey other dimensions thing so it's like all right mm-hmm. take this ship go to another dimension figure out what's there great they've got uh like little sleep pods in there so that the travel between dimensions because it takes a while to kind of get through different things. Yeah, they have to like phase into the other dimensions. It's not an instantaneous travel. Yeah, it's not just like, oh, we shoot a wormhole and go to another dimension. It's a whole involved process. Yes. But they're gone for several hundreds of years doing this, and then they get an alert that's like, hey, something's fucked up in your home dimension. Mm. Please come back. Yeah, you got to go back. Uh, And it is going to take forever to get there it's going to take 543 years to phase back to to the correct dimension now normally that wouldn't be a problem they're like great we'll just go into our little pods and then wake up there yeah but as happens on any possible time you've got cryopods on a ship Mm -hmm. about half of them malfunction and those people wake up yes but at least it wasn't like you know alien three where about half of them malfunction and like everybody who was interesting from the last movie is dead Except Ripley. Ripley's always interesting. Uh, but so, yeah, a bunch of them malfunction and people are forced to wake up. And so we've got that uh, Solara, whatever that movie was, that that awful Chris Pratt movie. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, the Chris Pratt, the horrible person movie. Yes, exactly. So um, so rather than dealing with that, they, they don't try to wake anyone else up. There's enough of them that they can kind of form a colony. And they are forced to make do with the ship's vast stores of replicators and matter transfer machines and all kinds of shit. To build a life for themselves, but not just a life, but like a generational arc ship life, because it's going to take 16 full generations for people to make uh, this journey. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, it's not like, oh, we're on a tiny little ship. Like, this is a huge colony ship type thing. Like, Mm -hmm. they set up full ass, like, here's an entire small city in one of the bigger zones of this ship. Yeah. And then, you know, all the little areas you can go throughout it are just tiny little pockets of colonies within them. Yeah. And they just sort of treat the people who are still in the pods as like, oh yeah, that's just window dressing. Like as I go on my day-to-day business, I will pass hundreds of people who are asleep. Yes. There's all these cryopods and they basically almost fade into legend by, you know, 10 or 11 generations of, of the people who are living on the ship. There's these ancient great sleepers that you don't fuck with and they've got their own whole situation going. Oh yeah. And you know, the people who have been awake for all of these generations are like, I have no idea how the fuck to like work this ship mm-hmm. because after so many generations, I'm not like everyone who is still asleep. Like we said is, you know, half robot basically. But at this point, everyone is all natural human. Yes. So they don't have the whole, I'm made of nanites thing. They're just like, I'm just a dude. I don't know how to fly this ship. And the legend of Earth is just a thing that we have been told. Yeah. All I know is this ship. Yeah. Now, I don't think 16 and 543 work together, but that makes sense because these, what they're calling themselves the Scions, uh, the, this, the people who have been awake on the ship the whole time, uh, are unnaturally long-lived by our standards because even though they don't have all the nine and crap in them, medical technology of the far future is is uh, incomprehensibly advanced. Oh, yeah. And, and so- just the genetics of everyone there were already tinkered with to be like, oh, you're going to be perfect examples of a biological specimen. Yes. So even if they didn't have like, oh, we've got, you know, full of weird little robots – They're still like, yeah, we come from ridiculous stock, though. Yes. And so they make the journey by scrounging and living and building a society on the ship and a society where 
multiple generations of passengers are going to be born, live, and die without just being trapped between dimensions in a, in a weird uh, flying castle ship thing. So, so it's it's an interesting story. And like I was saying, like I was saying earlier, this is what I meant by this: that they had been traveling to all kinds of dimensions where weird shit was happening, and and uh, you know, r- rules of physics were different and everything. And then they finally arrive home to their destination. But unfortunately, it's not the 39th century like they wanted it to be. No, it's the 21st. It's right now. It's the 21st yeah. century. So like I was saying, we got this whole story where it's like the vast, super cool, far future. And then they go to a million different dimensions where dinosaurs still rule and like gravity is different. And then they have to travel on a, on a secret or, or a, a weird mission on a giant ship that's traveling through like horrible hell wormholes to get through all these dimensions to get home. And then what do you play in? Fucking Toronto. Just fucking <laughs> right, right now, Toronto. Just fuck, fuck you. Just, <laughs> I mean, all of this is to explain why anyone can do like reality altering things. Cause yes. you can either be a sleeper cause you woke up once you reached your destination and the ship was like, all right, get up. Uh, or you're a scion. One of the people who was awake for the whole time. If you're a sleeper, you can affect reality because the, I mean, it's the whole, you know, sufficiently advanced technology, indistinguishable from magic thing. They're like, yeah, but in the future we could just, will reality to be whatever we wanted it to it didn't matter yeah you want you want to know how indistinguishable from magic uh there are three kinds of things you can be in this game and both groups of people can be those three kinds of things yes <laughs> it's very amusing i i mean granted given that the book does open with a long rambly speech from the fucking devil about how he's gonna send you on a bunch of heist missions i'm like okay fine there's probably some like semi-divine intervention that's guiding it so that there's three kinds of people on two sides of the coin and they didn't evolve to be different from the people in the pods they evolved to be the same as the people in the pods (laughs) but yeah you've got your sleepers who can do stuff with machines and then uh while the three types of liars you can be all have the same type of lies they can tell Mm -hmm. uh sleepers and schemers or Sleepers and Scions. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had the Schemer page open. That's fine. Uh, Sleepers and Scions have a slight difference in how they interact with the world. So because Sleepers have all these nanites and weird little bits, they serve as just, oh yeah, uh, I can communicate people wirelessly with just my nanites, so if I want to talk to someone else, I don't need like a cell phone or walkie-talkie. I can just talk to them through my nanites. Yeah. Uh, It translates automatically. Mm -hmm stores data all that sort of stuff all kinds of neat stuff and and they can also upgrade themselves over the course of gameplay in very interesting ways where the scions instead just get more psychic uh as as they advance through the game yeah now uh each of the three different types of liars also have different things that being a different like sleeper scion means Mm -hmm. but generally the scion though uh is actually psionically magically powerful because they have been hit with dimensional energy for so many generations that at this point, some people are just capable of directly changing reality. Yeah, they can they can lie to reality in the three ways. And the three ways are pretty straightforward. You can really boil them down to, to three keywords. Uh, they are the ability to mess with the past, the ability to mess with place, and the ability to mess with people. Yeah, it's things, the past, or people... And I'll just say this, the plotters, the ones who lie to the past, are just better because they can lie to people and things. Yeah. As yeah. long as you have a way to make it be so that it happened before. Yeah, because it's, it, I mean, basically here's, 
here's the functionality. There's there's all kinds of like little rules and interesting interactions and, and mechanics for how this works. But each one of these people, while they're in an area of the broken reality that they're trying to fix in the 21st century called an improbability zone. So, you know, go ahead and tag Douglas Adams into the reading list. Um, while they're in these improbability zones, they can kind of just go, hey, reality, like five hours ago, someone dropped their keys when they were walking down this hallway. What do you know? Or you could uh, you notice I mentioned someone in there that it could still work because you're a plotter and you're affecting the past. But if you're a schemer, which is the one who interacts with people, then you can be like, oh, hey, you, you're feeling clumsy and you should drop your keys. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, OK, planners mess with objects and you're yeah. like, oh, I want this door to be unlocked. And you're like, oh, well, the door is unlocked. I'm just going to say that it is and walk in there. Yeah. Whereas. You know, the plotter who lies to the past could go, uh, the last person who came in here forgot to lock the door behind them. Yeah. And you get the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. Except the, the planner can't go, ooh, that person falls asleep. Whereas the plotter can go, that person didn't get enough rest last night and is very tired. So they can do both and it's just bullshit. And it's the only complaint I have on this like, game. I'm not even thinking about, I didn't even think about that until right now, but you're right. It really needed a restriction that you, while you can lie about the past, you can't lie about people in the past, but even then you'd still be able to lie about places in the past. So you really are just able to do both provided that you can come up with a story for how it happened a while ago, as opposed to currently happening now. And it's got that whole like reasonable doubt thing going for its powers where you can say things like, well, if you're a planner, you can say like, oh, well, when we turn the turn the corner here, there'll be a fire. Uh, a, you can pull a fire alarm because there's a fire alarm on the wall right there. But it works way better if it was really likely that there probably was going to be a fire alarm there because you're in like a building that would have fire alarms and make a lot. More. So it kind of feels sometimes great and sometimes useless where you're like. Oh, I, there's going to be a fire alarm around there. I'm using my magic super psionics to make it happen. And I'm like, or it was just fucking there because it should have been like, there should be a fire alarm on every floor. Well, yeah, that's why you don't use <laughs> the ability to lie to reality for everything. Most of the time yeah. you are going to be doing a standard heist. Yes. You're like, oh, yeah, you still got to, you know, break into places, hack stuff, you know, get around people. It's very unlikely that you're going to be like. Ah, yes, I walk up to the building and uh, uh, there's an elevator that is outside the building that takes me to the object. <laughs> like, that's not a thing. Technically, you can lie about whatever you want, but you will most likely die if you try no, to do I know. that the because there are levels of stress yeah. that you take by lying. The bigger lie you tell, the more likely you are to hurt yourself and the least likely or less likely it is to work in the first place. Oh, it always works. It, it, thank you. Yeah, you're that's right. The, one of yeah. the main things of this that I love is it was like, one, Lies always work. Yeah. You might blow your head up scanner style telling mm -hmm. one, but no matter what, if you use your power and it's a power within the limits because everyone has a little bit of a limit they can do, they're like, it works. It just does. Yeah. There's an example that, that countermands that, which is why I'm kind of at a loss about this, because there's an example in the way that the planner power works where, you, where it says like, hey, before you open a drawer, you can be like, there's crow, there's crowbar in that door that drawer and you open it and there's a crowbar in there, but it won't work. If you open the drawer, there's no crowbar in it. You close it and you say, there's a crowbar in that door or drawer because you've already established that there is not a crowbar in that door. No drawer. That... Why can't I say drawer? <laughs> because it's not in the book. <laughs> no, uh, that example is if you do that, you will fuck yourself with stress though. Yeah. It's, yeah. you can say, Oh, I looked in this drawer. There wasn't a thing there. I close it and say there is. 
It's just because you know it isn't. Yeah. You are not only lying to reality, you're also lying to yourself, mm-hmm. which makes it much harder. Yeah, which makes it very similar to a uh, reasonable problem or a reasonable doubt uh, functionality, which I kind of think is neat. And notably, I, there's a comic strip I've been reading for years uh, called Trixie Slaughter Axe for President, where <laughs> there there is briefly a character whose power is improbability magic, which only works if you close your eyes and you can come up with a reasonable explanation for what just happened. <laughs> And it's it's really cool. So when I saw this, I was like, oh, neat. It's very similar to the improbability magic where she had to use like a cardboard star on a stick because that looked the least like it would actually work. But you can't say for sure it doesn't. But <laughs> and, and if everyone's got their eyes closed and when you open them again, you're all tied up in a closet. Maybe there were ninjas in that closet and they came out and tied you up. You can't say for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, well- the I love the lying mechanic in this because it is mostly wants you to be like, I don't want you to view this as a magic get-out-of-jail-free card so much as a way for you to go, I want this to be a certain way narratively. Yeah. Like, lying is essentially, and they say this in the GM book, where it's like, when someone starts lying, they're the GM now. Yes. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> I am the GM now. Yeah. No, I, I know. Yeah, it's it's a very collaborative game. Uh, But yeah, the... The scions are interesting because of the whole, like, oh, I'm actually magic. And one of the things they have as well is the different types of liars have different things that happen when they lie to reality. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it never says people just won't notice this Mm -hmm. because if you're like, oh, I'm a sleeper. And every time I lie to reality, I look like a goddamn Tron extra. Yeah. Yes. Like what happens? Oh, little wires come out of your fingers and you glow blue. And you're like, everyone around me goes, what the fuck was that? It happens for almost everybody. I think the only one it doesn't happen to is one of the scion types, which just looks like an air pressure wave coming off of you. But other ones like even one of the, the, uh, I think the scion uh, schemer, the time one, uh, or plotter, I think that is. Yep, the plotter. plotter has like lightning bolts crisscrossing their face when they use their power. So yeah, it's you still get visible just, for everybody. You get visible energy lines. Yeah, I think it's the Scion Planner, the one for objects. Is like, oh, you just have to center yourself, and you'd like center your own vibrations with that around you, and then you can affect things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, you're the only person that doesn't turn into a weird glowing monster when you do stuff. Yeah, the Scion Schemer, the one that works with on people, creates air pressure waves, which you have to look really closely to see, and all it looks like is like when you see heat wave mirages. Yeah. It just sees, it just looks like that. So. If, you've, uh, if, <laughs> if you've watched Umbrella Academy, whenever the I heard a rumor happens and that oh, l- sort yeah. of vocal wave thing, that's basically what happens as a Scion Schemer. Yes, absolutely. So, uh... Let's get into character creation, because this, sure. this game has almost, I don't believe it has, it just uses dice, and the dice are pretty much the only numbers you're ever going to come across. Your character has no numerical stats. No. So when you're creating a character, the first thing you do, you don't pick any of these scion or sleeper or schemer or plotter or whatever. The first thing you do is pick a couple of traits that describe your character. Yeah, you are going to have... Two traits from a list Mm -hmm. that you are going to be considered good at. Or you can make up your own. There's an example list, but it does say go ahead and make up your own with a lot of stipulations to stop people from doing anything too crazy with it. Yes. Because they say like, hey, don't just put creative because you can use that for everything. Yeah, you're not like, oh, what's your trait? Good at stuff? Capable. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) Handling it. Yeah. They're like, you know, you can't just be like, what are you? 
I'm athletic. You're like, yeah, we have agile and tough and strong and fast as different things. Yeah. Like, you should really break this down. Pick one of those. So you pick two of those, and when you pick the uh, a trait like that, you become good at things that involve that trait. Yeah. Now, being good at a thing just bumps your base die that you will roll mm-hmm. up by one size. You can, if you want, pick the same thing twice and become very good, which will bump it up twice. Yes. Uh, same thing with the next one, skills. Yeah, you automatically get either your choice of either deception or stealth, because part of the the story of the game is that you've been picked specifically for this, regardless of what type you are, because you were kind of a con man and a heist person. You were, like, born to trick people and steal things. Yeah, because on this ship, you're like, yeah, every single person who was in a pod had these weird reality-manipulating powers, basically, Mm -hmm. because that was what they were built with, and... A lot of the Scions have some weird mutations from the dimensional travel. Yes. But you're picked because you're actually good at this. And that is the other awesome thing in this book that it drives home all the time is the players are fucking competent. Yes. Even if they fail, Mm -hmm. it's not because they were bad and dumb. Mm -hmm. It's because the situation changed to make that happen. I'm just going to amend your statement a little bit. The characters are competent and cool and rad. The players can be gormless idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your character is always good at whatever they do. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't have the like, oh, I'm good at this. They're like, you are a competent person. If you go to make a role for like, let's say I'm going to try and convince someone to let me into a room mm-hmm. and I fail the role at doing that, in some games they'd be... There's that idea. You're like, oh, you walk up and poopy your pants. Mm -hmm. They're like, no, dude, you're very charming and persuasive. But in the middle of it, like some security guard comes up and takes their attention away from you. Yeah, they Donald Sutherland point at you and go, oh, whatever that noise was. You know, the... the, uh, (laughs) Yeah, I won't make that noise. It's very loud and annoying. It's it's a hard noise to make. It might perhaps might be the most annoying noise in the world. One might think that. (laughs) And yet. Uh, So... So yeah, your your characters are automatically cool, but you're also cool in a very specific way. You have been picked to do these heists because you're good at heisting. So your first skill is always a choice between either deception or stealth. After that, there's a list of a bunch of skills you can choose from. You can Again, you can make them up if you can think of one that's not on the list. Uh, and if you choose a skill, you get three more choices beyond uh, deception or stealth. If you can, if you choose a skill twice, you go from good to very good yep. at that particular skill. Just like the traits, if you decide to pick something more than once, you get bumped up again, but you can't go past very good. So even though you have three selections instead of two mm-hmm. for skills, you can't be like, I'm very, very good. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't go all the way either. You can't be like, oh, I took deception, 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 and deception. I like lies. Yeah. Yeah, so there is a, there is a, a limit to how much you can specialize. And you wouldn't want to, because you're like... Yeah, it's going to bump me up one more die size, but, like, I'd rather be good at some varying things. Oh, but I want to buy that sweet, sweet harmony, which we'll get to later. Uh, <laughs> anyway, now that you've got your uh, your trait and your skill, you need to pick a detriment when you know it. Uh, a detriment is just a thing you are bad at, and in, and so you lower your die by a size when, when something involves the thing you are bad at. Yes. So, you know, you can... Usually you want it to be like, all right, think of a standard heist film thing. Mm -hmm. What's something that someone has? They're like, oh, they're super greedy. So like in the middle of the heist, if they see a way to get money, they're going to go take it even to the detriment of what's going on. Or they're just prideful or they're inflexible or they can't, they can't modify the mission mid game or they're weak willed. 
or uh, you, you know they're they're clumsy, e- or... easily distracted. Yeah, anything like that that would mess with a heist, you you can be one of those things. You have to be one of those things. Yeah, uh, it does give you the option. They're like, if you don't want to have a detriment, you can just forego being good at one of your traits or skills. Just don't take one. Mm, but also, that's boring, and it's like, please just. Flaws are neat and interesting and make you cool. Have a flaw. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. You'll see once you you learn how the dice mechanics work that having a flaw is not going to really kill you most of the time. No. It'll just make your character interesting and fun to play with. It's just when that situation shows up, you're like, oh, god damn it. <laughs> yeah. Well, really, it's a chance to lean into it. You yeah. make your character uh, easily distracted and, and, you know... You're, you're a heisting a casino, and what do you know? And a jackpot gets hit right at that moment. You're like, oh, I got to see what that is. What's all that noise? Oh, yeah. I mean, it is it is definitely a fun, interesting thing to have where you're like, oh, the GM has a hook for you. Mm-hmm. Not only do they have hooks for like, what type of stories does this character want to be in? Because you've told me like, ah, yes, my guy is, you know, super strong, and he's great at climbing and armed combat. And you're like, Oh, okay, you're a muscle of the group. That's the kind of thing you want. Yeah. And in addition, if you're like, but also he's super gullible. You're like, okay, I know what kind of shit to throw at him then yeah, to absolutely. fuck with him. Yeah, and, and you know, obviously this is a very collaborative game where where people are taking turns describing the stages. Uh, every session starts with people working together to create the whole adventure. So it's not a game where if you pick like, oh, my character's gullible, then your DM is like encouraged to like, fix your little wagon and just have people constantly lying to you. It's not like that. No, that's not the concept here. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, one thing I'll always fall, uh, uh, credit uh, basically everybody who works for Monty Cook and Monty Cook himself with is relatively to very good DM advice. Oh, yeah. So so that you, you get a lot of that in this game and it's well reinforced routinely. Like, don't don't try and just fuck your players over. Just you're trying to tell a cool story together. Just work to do it. Yeah. Just make it interesting. Now, the last thing you're going to have when you're creating your character before you get into your weird, uh, like, class, essentially, is Speaking your side hooks. goal. Yeah, side goal. There is a side goal that everyone has that is, again, just things that are personally what they want to accomplish. Yeah. And it can be, you know, just as, you know, normal as, like, I want to help people or I yeah. want to learn something. Or it could be like, Yo, I want to look badass. Yeah. Like anytime I have the opportunity to look cool, mm-hmm. that's what I want to do. That's my do side goal. My whole deal is three point hero landings, and I'm going to get a couple of them in. You can also have things like fleece a rube or work a pigeon drop. Oh, yeah. You're like, no, what I want to do is get fucking paid. You're yeah. like, my side goal is to collect stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Take souvenirs, anything like that. And uh, when you successfully accomplish a side goal in the during your any mission, you earn a story point, which is basically this game's XP equivalent. Yep. So uh, so that's the point of that. You pick one side goal. There's, again, just like everything else we talked about so far, there's an optional list as well as a set of guidelines for coming up with new ones on your own. Yeah. Now you are finally at the point where you get to choose whether you want to be one of the pod folks or one of the uh, ship folks. Yeah. Folks who've been living on the ship all these years. And uh, you, when you choose that, basically you're choosing the difference between, we've, we've gone deeply into this already, the difference between nanites and psychic uh, capability, uh, but really it just comes down to how you want your story to be. You just woke, Did you just wake up and you have no idea what's going on and you can't believe you're in the 21st century? Or is going to 21st century Earth not that weird for you because you've spent the past five, or your entire life just traveling through warp and you had no expectations anyway? Yeah, you're just like, all right. 
This is the first I've ever seen off a ship. It didn't matter where we went. I was going to be like, whoa. Yeah. I would, and then there's this giant list of NPCs to really help re, or I guess it could be potential player characters to help reinforce like what the difference between the two is and and what they should look like. The only thing that bothered me about that was that all of the scions have like you know rad ship rat names, where they're all named things like Null and and Zero Point and stuff like that. <laughs> but then all of the sleepers are named things like Thomas Merriweather, and I'm like. Dude, it's the 39th fucking century. I'm not I'm not named Herodotus, and I'm, and I'm way closer to him than I am to Thomas Merriweather in 3900 or whatever. Oh. <laughs> I'm just saying, come up with some future names. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, we mentioned before Herodotus, by the way. Herodotus. It's not Herodotus. I'm, or... I'm correcting myself as we say. Uh, uh, Asclepius. <laughs> mm, I'm so sleepy. Testicles. <laughs> now, uh... We mentioned before, I'll go over again. You've got planners, which are the object or place ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, The difference between a sleeper and a scion with that is that uh, sleepers are able to, pretty much across the board, their big thing is the whole wireless transmission. They can Mm -hmm. talk, they can hack, they can translate, all that. Uh, And all of them also have the ability to, if you spend 10 minutes resting, your nanites will fix injuries. So if you get any injury dice in this, which we'll get into, it will, after 10 minutes of rest, just go away. Yes, although <laughs> the scions do the same fucking thing. It's well, just, yes. It's just called something different. Uh, There's really each, only one relevant difference. Each scion, though, for the different types, has a different thing that they are good at, yes. instead of the whole, all of the sleepers get the translator communicator thing, the various scions get a special bonus. So if you are a scion planner, you are just baseline good at the ability to resist stress from lying to reality. Yeah, you also, because planners work by exuding uh, nano strings from their fingers and then attaching them to the walls around them to change the place that they're in, uh, you can use those nano strings as weapons. So they are always carrying a close combat weapon or a hand-to-hand combat weapon that is their nano fingy stringies. Uh, but the scions are good at, uh, resisting the effects of stress from lying. Mm -hmm. Uh, the plotters, you can, uh. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What is it? Uh, You get... I don't know, man. You're the one with the book open. I'm going off memory, (laughs) which is a terrible mistake. Yeah. uh, It looks like the Scion plotters also affect are good at resisting stress, whereas the schemers are you can get the surface thoughts of someone when you lie to reality. Right. So yes. they're mind readers. Yes. And I forget what the, what, what are the sleeper, my, uh, the sleepers, the on sleeper people? schemers on people get a uh, final fantasy scan. Oh, as yeah, soon as they, they, they uh, use their abilities, they can scan a person and go, I know what you're good at. I know what you're bad at. I have just a full breakdown of who you are. I can get like, blood work and shit done on you. Yeah, those sound identical to me, but then again, I do constantly walk around thinking about how the easiest ways to kill me would be. 
I'm always <laughs> walking around like, you know, you could just drop a piano on me. Always walking around like, all right, well, I'm pretty slow, but I am. And you're like, well, why are you constantly thinking I, that? I assume I have about 14 hit points. <laughs> Were I to it. guess. <laughs> and here's a list of my fears in order. <laughs> By the way, I could pretty sure I could convince Herodotus that his name is Hero- Herodotus. That dude was gullible as fuck. Yeah, that was his detriment. <laughs> I'll think of there's giant ants and shit. Uh, but yeah, the plotters who do the past uh, have at least the a small limitation to start with. Uh, for one thing, all the liars can't lie to other liars. Yes. Like, you can't change a liar's past or lie to a liar to make them do something. It doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that you change things is for the plotters you can't change events for more than a day and uh you have to be changing something that's currently visible to you which is yes. also a thing with the uh planners the ones who do objects it has to be in line of sight can't be more than 100 feet away mm-hmm. uh and the amount of stress you take is going to depend on how much stuff you are changing like yeah. if you're just like Ah, uh, this lock changes. It's tiny. It's not going to affect you very much. But if you're like, the ceiling collapses. Yeah. That's going to be a big stress. They all do start with an interesting weakness uh, or limitation, rather. Uh, you know, to, like, a plotter can't be like, well, this happened 35 years ago. It has yeah, to be that's the- what I was saying. Yeah. So You've I, got I think- all of these. And then the schemer is the worst one for the limitation, which is you can only lie to one person at a time. Yes. So you can't be like, oh, okay. Uh, this room gets distracted by something like, nope, one dude. Yeah, I mean, the best you could possibly do is be like, that dude becomes a distraction, <laughs> which I guess I, I guess could work. But it is super weak because it means that the schemer starts out where their biggest weakness is like, there are two people behind the desk at the check-in station. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, fuck you. What the fuck? They- <laughs> and it's got to be within 100 feet. So you can't just be like, all right, I'm going to. I'm going to lie to reality about that person way over there to do a thing. And you're like, yeah. nope. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it definitely feels a little less intense than the other two. Like, I'm guessing it's because, you know, the direct access to mind controlling sort of people. The problem is it does the same thing that you get in some of the weaker D&D mind control spells where it's like they have to do shit that's reasonable. Oh, yeah. You're like, you can't make someone jump off a roof. They have to do a thing that they might normally do. Yeah. So you can't even have them just get up and leave unless they would normally be the kind of person that would just get up and leave. So if they're sitting there because it's their job to sit there and you're like, get up and walk away, they're going to be like, huh, I feel like leaving. But I won't because I'm at work. <laughs> so you're like, ah, this this really needs to be a little more intense. <laughs> yeah, it's I feel like plotters got too much stuff they can do and yeah. schemers did not get quite enough. Yeah, yeah. Like you could you could you take that single example, like there's just an armed guard standing in front of a door and it's his job to stand there. So if you're a, if you're a schemer, you're like, hey, you need to go to the bathroom real bad. And they're like, well, I got to go to the bathroom real bad, but I'm not going to because it's my job or I'll radio for help so I can. Exactly. But if you're a plotter, you can be like, yeah, that dude forgot to come in today. Or you can just be like, oh, yeah, that guy in there, he had just absolute garbage uh, food for breakfast that went bad. And he is going to literally shit his pants right now from food poisoning. Yeah, it's it's kind of a like, I'm sure that if you were really clever, if you're spending all your time being really clever, you could use the schemer to get roughly the same effects. But the plotter just feels so much easier. Yeah. If you can come up with how did this happen? You're like, baby, I will do anything. Like the plotter's favorite two words are shift change. <laughs> That's all you have to do is be like, oh, that guy's not assigned to stand there today. It was that easy. Like the, the shift change blew up the hole in the schedule. So no one's standing there. Done. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, once you've got all that, you've pretty much got your character. There are, uh, you can get equipment for anything that the ship might give you. The equipment was the one place where it kind of bugged me because they were like making a big deal about stressing how sleepers and scions have different approaches to things, but are mostly the same. Like they can affect reality in the same way. Uh, the difference being that sleepers all have universal translator nine, nine nights built into them. So they speak every language instantly. And in the gear list, both of them have the option to take a earpiece that does that, but only the Scott, the scions ever would. Well, yeah. And and if you're like, Hey, everyone gets one piece of gear and you're like, well, all I speak is 39th century, crazy moon language filtered through 530 years of, of, uh, <laughs> of isolation on a spaceship. So I guess I got to fucking take the talkie walkie talkie again. Thanks. I feel like that thing should just be automatically issued, and that shouldn't be part of the character selection process. I mean, generally, they're like, no, nah, you you fucking, whatever you're setting the game at, if you're like, yeah, this is a US-based game, like, you speak English, don't worry about yeah, exactly. it. exactly. They should just take that fucking translator thing off the list. There's a couple times in this game where the game is written well, and the example is written in a way that pisses me off, and it's, it's funny, because <laughs> I go back and read the rule, and I'm like, yeah, that's a good rule, I like that, that's a good rule, and then I read the example, and I'm like, no, you did this wrong. <laughs> you read the rule and fucked up. <laughs> you did your own rule stupid. You did your good rule, and then you did it stupid. <laughs> uh, so the, the base setup for the game is there are three acts mm-hmm. to any game. The first act is the briefing, where, of course, you get the, and here's what we got to do. Yeah. And, and it's super collaborative. Oh, yeah. You know, people need to, will jump in and be like, all right, well, my dude, I picked that I was good at climbing. I want that to be a whole thing. I'm the guy who climbs anything. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> so my head blew up. <laughs> so you're like, all right, uh, I'm going to add in that uh, this building has 25 stories and the last 10 stories are still under construction. So there's no good way to get there from like just walking up. And the way that this is supposed to work is that the DM is never GM or whatever you call them is uh, never allowed to say no. It's a yes. And system, but they are encouraged to note when players are like, yeah, we need to bust into the building's top floor. And wouldn't you know it, they took the roof off yesterday for repair. Then the, the uh, GM is encouraged to be like, uh, yes. Also, there's all kinds of super high-tech drones flying around to guard that area. Yeah. And there's lots more armed guards than usual because it's so insecure at the moment. Exactly. If the players are ever like, ah, we need to steal this thing, and it turns out it's sitting on the ground outside, like, <laughs> the jam goes, all right, well. <laughs> it is because it's on a plinth in an open-air museum with an electric web of lasers around it. <laughs> you fucks. <laughs> it's just going to be that. You're going to go, it's not not actually going to be that. That's, no. that's the two of us being intentionally disruptive. Exactly. Uh, as an example of what you shouldn't do. But Instead, you, you should come up with something rad. Yeah, because the whole thing is... You know, again, you've made these characters to be good at certain things, Mm -hmm. and so the characters are going to put in things that they are good at. So, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, I put in hacking as one of my things, and they'll say, okay, there's a specific security system for this that is controlled from one central hub. Yeah, and it really comes down to you whether you want to describe that as like a shoddy security system so that, yes, you could could break it into it easily, but is that a cool use of your powers? No. Or it's a rad computer system, which may be a little harder, but that's also a rad use of your powers. Uh, And this is also where we go over a couple of things that make 
the heist in this a little more interesting, which is the reason you are in the 21st century and not, you know, way in the future is because there are weird objects that fuck with reality and those are what you are stealing. So it's not even like, oh, we're doing a heist to go get a super painting from someplace. You're like, no, it could just be like some dude's baseball but that baseball is currently causing a one mile radius of Cincinnati to have random objects begin to float. That's fucking Cincinnati. Let it happen. <laughs> Let it float. <laughs> I am willing to allow any amount of torment and, and uh, misery to befall Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there is always a MacGuffin that is causing a reality flux and you get a different type of weird reality thing in each instance. Mm -hmm. So not only do you have to go through like your heist, but there's just random shit that could happen and be like, Oh yeah. Uh, while you're in the improbability zone, uh, occasionally items will just act as if there is an earthquake, even though nothing else will move like that. It's kind of a neat way to shake up the whole heist situation. Uh, speaking of shaking it up, there is one more major, Oh, well, we should probably go over the real, the, the basic mechanic. I'm sorry, I forgot. I was about to jump to the cards, but we should we should do the dice before. No, the we cards. haven't even said what all three acts are. I'm sorry, you're right. I'm, we're running low on time. This is gonna be a long episode. It's Fuck a long it. episode. Whatever. Okay, whatever. But yeah, you get act one is the briefing where you find out what your object is, where it is, and what it's doing to reality. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Also, the way that the improbability zones work is nothing inside can affect things outside, and vice versa. Right. So. If there is like, oh, there's a, you know, security system and it's connected to the internet, you have to be in the zone to affect it. You couldn't just be like, oh, I go to some cafe like two miles away. Yes. And also when you do succeed in fixing the improbability zone, any lies you told in there automatically collapse back to reality when it, when it fixes itself as well. Well, yeah. Reality just collapses back. Everyone forgets anything happened. No Mm -hmm. one realizes anything was strange and it just goes back as if nothing you did ever occurred. Yeah. Uh, act two is of course, the you know, stuff going through with it, mm-hmm. you know, getting in there, changing things up, trying to do stuff. Uh, there will be, you know, little twists and so, so on in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll get the turn where a surprise revelation happens. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, that, that always happens. There's a, and when the turn happens, the third act begins. Yes. And the third act is of course, just the climax. And in that one, the, Everything gets a little more binary as mm-hmm. far as pass fail, but also things get heightened capability wise. Except for the characters, who, if they were non binary, remain as such. Like, <laughs> we're, not, we're not, yeah, that, that, that stays. You get more binary. You're still non, <laughs> but you get a little more. So, the, the reason, the, the uh, biggest difference between Act Two and Act Three, once the turn takes place, is that it messes with the dice math. Uh, in a way that that uh, keeps the game or kind of makes it more nail bitey is supposed to be the intention. Uh, during phase two, all the dice work basically normally. Uh, the difficulties for things are set such that if it's a average task, then you you get a a failure on a, a one through uh, a one or two. Well, the, or the way it works is every task has a rating, mm-hmm. so it'll be like oh, it's easy, average, hard, and so on. Yeah. And it has a two-number range. Yeah. And you have to get over that range in order to succeed. So if an average difficulty is three to four, so if you get a five plus on whatever dice you're rolling, then you succeed. Yes. If you get a two or a one, you fail, and the three or four 
is an almost. Yes, and an almost is a no but or a yes but. You know, you maybe like just you take the standard ledge jumping as an example. You need to jump across a chasm. If you roll a success, you do it. If you roll a fail, you don't do it. Maybe you don't plummet down the chasm. Maybe you stop yourself at the last second and don't jump because, again, your character is cool and confident and awesome. But if you get an almost, then you jump and maybe you don't quite make it, but you manage to catch your with one hand and now you're dangling. Yeah, it gives you like some ability to do stuff. So you're like. All right, you didn't fall, but neither did you make it, but you can still try and pull yourself up. Yes. Like with that, when you, know, you, when you move from Act 2 to Act 3, you lose the lower number in the almost scale. So in that in that listed example, 3 is now a failure, 4 is still an almost, and 5 and above is still a success. Yeah, so you get a little bit larger fail range, but, but all dice become boosted. And when a die is boosted, you add another die. Uh, boosted die are higher dice. Oh, sorry. Not I, I mixed up, mixed it up with a different mechanic. You're right. Yeah. You move up a die size. So for example, if you were rolling that before on a D six, now you're rolling on a D eight all the way up to a D 20. Yeah. Uh, so the dies, the dice that you will normally use, uh, if you're bad at it, it's your detriment. You have a D four. Yep. Normally you roll a D six. If you're good, you have a D eight. If you are very good, you get a D 10. Mm-hmm. And then of course those can get boosted up, uh, in various ways, uh, but you know, up to a D12 or, or a D20. You can also uh, have help from people. If someone is trying to help you with a task, then they add your die to or their die to yours. You roll both and uh, you take whichever result is more beneficial to you. Yep. Uh, similarly, for even if someone is like bad at something, they can still help you. You just get a D4. Yeah. And you're like, all right, well, might get a four on that's it. That's fine because you, you don't want to roll real low because you can get a you super fucked up at something. Yes. Uh, if you just get like the one, mm-hmm. uh, which again is not like tee hee, you poopy your pants. Yeah. But it could just be like, oh, something extra bad yes. happens while you're trying to do this. Like this isn't a game where you constantly are just either making things or choosing not to make things. You can still die. Things bad shit can still happen to you. It's just to give to die stylishly. You're going to look cool when you go. Yeah. And so. Having the uh, harmony is getting extra dice. Yes. Uh, at least with that, you're like, oh, you would have to get a one on all of your dice to super fuck up. Yeah. So even if you're like, I'll give you a D4, that's still a little extra insurance that you won't super fail. Yes. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a pretty neat mechanic. Uh, you can get, uh, I, you, I don't think there's really a limit to how many Harmony dice can get piled onto you, but usually you're not going to see more than two or three. Yeah. And it can come from either someone else helping you it can come from an item you're using so if you're like i want to pick a lock i'm very good at it my friend over here is just average at it and i've got a high-tech you know super lock pick mechanical thing now you're rolling two d10s and a d6 great yeah and then you'll get to pick the best of that to hopefully be able to do something cool yeah so that's the that's pretty much the core mechanic, and as we mentioned, the turn changes the uh, the uh, probabilities a little bit by messing with the almost range, so that there's an extra fail chance. But it also boosts all your dice, so you become more competent. But things also are more on edge. Yes, it's kind of neat. I I like it. I mean, I enjoy the fact that they're like, look, you're at the home stretch. We want you to be able to finish this mission, mm-hmm. so you're going to be better at everything, but we also want it to feel more tense in the climax, so there's always a little higher range of failure. I I enjoy the way that they make uh, the climax of the story be a little more tense 
mechanically mm-hmm. in as well as, you know, it trying to be that way narratively. I think it's neat. Yeah. Uh, injury in this game works by anytime you're in a situation where you might get injured. Uh, an easy one is just like being shot or punched, but also like if you have to make a, a, a you know a jump down 15 feet or something like that, then you make a resistance roll. The difficulty is set just like like any other kind of roll. You roll just like any other kind of roll. There are things that can give you bonuses to resist against damage, like wearing armor or just being tough, that kind of thing. Yeah, armor will let you count in almost as a success. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you uh, fail, if you take an injury, there's no almost in uh, in ar- in uh, wound checks. No, that's why you want armor, because yes. almost is still a fail. It's a big range. So yeah, you want uh, if you if you uh, take an injury, then you pick up an extra D10. They mentioned custom D10s, but really you're just going to pick up a random D10 and say that zero on it counts as the injury. Yeah, you just need to be able to tell yeah. which one's the injury die and which one isn't. Yeah. So when you from that point forward, whenever you roll any dice for any reason, you also roll your injury die, and if it comes up the one face on it that's been dedicated the injury face, just make it the zero on the a one. D10 or a one, then uh, you it cancels out one success from your dice. Yeah, so it will fuck you up, and you can have multiple injuries. Like, yeah. if you, everyone has a take 10 minutes and you get rid of an injury die, but if you're in a scene where you're like, oh, I'm running from stuff, and I, you know, jump from rooftop to rooftop, and I fuck up the landing, and take I- a bullet through the shoulder, yeah. And I mess myself up, and you're like, okay, well, I don't have 10 minutes, I'm still trying to get something done, mm-hmm. then you might get injured again. Uh, but the thing is- this isn't a game that's like, oh, we do combat, and I'm going to attack, and then you'll attack, and I'll attack. No. One Scenes scene. are one roll. Yeah. Every every time anyone rolls for any reason, that's a scene. Yeah. So combat is literally one roll to determine how that combat went for you. So at most, you're getting wounded once. Yep. And even then, being like, oh, I failed, or I almost in a combat scene doesn't mean like, yeah, and you get your ass kicked. You're like, oh, you might have even beat whoever you were fighting, but you got fucked up during it and didn't accomplish whatever the end goal was. Yeah, the deci- how combat resolves is entirely done by rule of cool. You just kind of go like, uh, you know, yeah, you lost horribly in this combat. You, you you ate a wound. You didn't succeed in hurting your enemies. Uh, you you escape. You get out of there. They're still in in the room with guns drawn, and you're you've got a wound on you now. But you didn't just die. You're not just still in there fighting them. You're not going to roll initiative again. No. Or you overcome them if that's more interesting to the story, and you keep going. You can have four injury dice. If you have five, you're dead. <laughs> you are done. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the maximum number of injury. Yeah, you can get up to four. If you have to, you get to five, you die. Uh, so you're mostly going to want to find a way to get a rest in there and get rid of some of those because they're oh, yeah. they're really going to start piling up and ruining your day. Just fucking take ten, my dude. Yeah. Use that use that uh, plotter skill to be like, yeah, uh, 10 minutes ago, these guys gave me 10 minutes to rest. Ah! It was real nice of them. Uh, so anyway, uh, um, the other thing that, that can fuck with everything in this game is at the start of each game, you are going to be dealt three cards from a deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a deck that comes. This is a box set game, so it comes in the box. And those cards are basically the things that they're, they're, they're twists, more or less. They're things that mess with the mission in an interesting way. They can be things like, I have the right tool for this, where you just reach into your pocket and pull out the exact right tool for a scenario. Yeah. Or, uh, you know. You can be like, oh, I've got an inside person. And you yeah. can just play a card and be like, yeah, I've already contacted someone in here and they're helping us. Yeah. This is the place where I found the example that drove me nuts because I was like, you wouldn't do that normally. One of the cards is like, observing like it basically just i forget what it's specifically called 
but it's uh, uh, sizing things sizing up. things up. You take an entire scene, not rolling any dice, and instead just watch the the area. And uh, from that point forward, any die roll you make related to the things you were observing at the time is boosted. Yes. And the example they use should be like you look out the window and you can see the police helicopter circling. So from now on, you're boosted to avoid the observers from that thing. And you can see a fire escape. So when you have to escape off the type of the building, you remember that you're boosted for that. Their example is there's a laser maze in here and you're boosted to go through it. And then later, when you come back through this room again, you're boosted to go through it again. (laughs) And I was like, I'm not going to make people in a game where scenes are a single die roll. And that's like a super huge, impactful moment. And your characters are rad and competent and awesome and everything. I'm not going to make them use two scenes to do the same fucking test. That's boring. Yeah. And you know, Jeff had brought that up to me and I'm like, Oh no, I mean, you're right, but it should be like, if you have to go through this fucking laser maze again, it should be, oh, something fucked up happened. There's yes. an earthquake that's going on, or you are being chased. chased. Yeah, exactly. Because that- before, you got to do the cool, like, ooh, I'm doing the sexy, like, the I, I do the Catherine Zeta-Jones move through laser things, Yeah, but now you can't spend your time being a sexy lady, and you got to run through that shit. Yeah, and that's fine. That is not doing the same thing twice. The description they use is just doing the same thing twice, and I'm like, you got to do better. The example makes this <laughs> this thing look la- less interesting than it actually is, because it's really interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, all of the cards let you either get a good boost to something where you're like, oh, I turned turn a failure into a success or i uh i turn like a uh success into a success and yeah there's all kinds of great cards one of them is the turn yeah so the one of the players has the turn and when they play the turn it starts the third act oh, i i love that you and it's not even you have the turn it's you have a revelation you can play in act three mm. for your own turn yeah where you're like aha that's not whatever it's this thing yeah it's this it's the standard like flashback mechanic that makes a good heist game exactly it's, it's so nice that we live in an era where there are good heist games now yeah because <laughs> the whole like having a flashback mechanic having a, a way to be like I knew you were going to say that or but what we actually planned for oh yeah it's it's great when you can have a thing where you're like Oh, we're in act three and I got like caught by a security team and now I'm handcuffed in some room and the CEO comes in and then you play it and you're like, the CEO was on our side all along and she uncuffs me and you're like, Oh yeah, exactly. You're like, yeah, the CEO knew me the entire time. She, she uh, clears everyone else out of the room and then she gives me a lemonade. Yeah. You're like, (laughs) it's so good to have these fucking cards in there. Yes. That, that really is the thing that for me makes this game. Uh, it's the flashback mechanic plus a couple other things. And I thought it was super neat. Yeah, uh, there is also a deck of cards that I know nothing about that the the uh, GM has. Oh yeah, I, I assume they're in another book. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a neat. It, so they have their own deck of cards they can use to to mess with things. But yeah, the and the other thing about the cards that's nice is you're not really encouraged to hoard them because anytime you play a sto- a, a a mission card or a story card, whatever they're called, mission cards, mission yeah. card, you get a story point. And that's primarily the way you get them. You you get one for achieving your side goal if you have one, and if you, you can spend uh, story points to buy more side goals for later as well. Uh, but also, every time you play one of these, you get a story point. So this is a great way to get yourself the XP stack you need to actually upgrade your character later. So yeah, you want to play these. You don't want to hoard them till the third act and just hide and sit on oh, them. Oh yeah. Plus they're just they're fucking cool. They're fun. Like being able to just go. We've got to pull a con, and you come up with the name of a con to pull, and then <laughs> say how it works. <laughs> I'm going to call it the three card something. <laughs> We've got to do the the three card Shanna. <laughs> got to do the big 
bird swap. And you're like, what? Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, we're swapping out Big Bird for one of the Big Birds of other nations. <laughs> that fucking terrifying red one from wherever he's from. Ah, uh, the Big Bird of many nations. <laughs> Have you ever seen the pictures of Big Birds from faraway lands? Yes. They're so cool. I like the parrot one. Uh, but yes, uh, the game basically just goes until you find whatever the MacGuffin item is that's fucking everything up. And as soon as you get that and get out of there, reality goes back and it's like, fine, we're done here. Yeah. Uh, and you have stolen that bit of weird reality and that reality energy is basically what's charging you up and giving you more XP points. Yes. So then you can buy from uh, a, a couple different... There's a generic set for that, but both groups can pick from. But then there's also much larger sections of nanites and and robotic uh, robotic upgrades for your sleepers and psychic enhancements that may or may not have anything to do with your your actual psychic uh, schemer or plotter, your your power source for yeah. the for the scions. And you know you can get things that are like, oh, now instead of I can only affect one person, I can infect a, like a room full of people. So yeah. you can upgrade the limitations on your powers. One thing I noticed, that that's kind of a wizard thing right there, like a quadratic wizard thing, where the schemer is like, oh, I used to be able to affect one person, now I can affect a fucking room, where the plotter goes from like, oh, I can affect things in the past 24 hours to I can affect things in the past 48. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, that's one day to two. I'm not, I'm not super impressed. I... I, I get it, though. <laughs> I mean, thing is, how far back do you fucking need to go? Uh, well, what what are you getting out of 48 hours that you aren't getting out of 24 is really the thing I'm wondering. Yeah. It's not a super huge upgrade if you're creative, especially because you're setting the terms. <laughs> when, as soon as you start your lie, you're like, yeah, uh, yesterday a secretary forgot to change or forgot that these shifts were all changed. And that's why there's no guard at this door right now. Uh, but what's the what's the gm gonna be like uh no they set the secretary the, the secretary sets the shift dates on wednesdays and it's a friday you're like no she sets them on fucking we wednesdays i just said <laughs> hey well now i'm lying to reality that the day she changes them is different yeah it's it's uh it's not as impressive of an upgrade as it is for the schemer but then again i think the plotter is just better in general so oh yeah yeah upgrades for a plotter is just like come on man who cares <laughs> yeah so there you go um and, and uh, there's three modes of gameplay. You can either play a single setting, you can play a set of like three, or you can play an open-ended campaign. And there are a few other optional rules at the very back of the book. For example, the ability to play as an uplifted dog. Or just a robot a guy. Robot. And robots aren't any of the three power sources. They can't affect reality by lying to it. So instead, they're just really good at everything. They're like good or very good at almost everything. Yeah. They're just like, what do you have? Oh, I'm not magic or nothing, but I've been programmed to be fucking rad. Yeah, I honestly, I, if there was any two character creation, two robots, there isn't. You're just good at everything and like very good at one thing. I'd be like, fuck, I made a robot immediately because I'm like, yeah, you know, lying to reality is a really neat effect and everything. But like I was saying earlier, a lot of the li lies are based on plausible deniability. And you know what isn't? Raw fucking skill. Huh. <laughs> <So> <laughs> uh, now, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say for the next couple minutes if you don't want to be spoiled for this game's big reveal of what's actually going on i'm gonna reveal what the uh the reason for all of this is yeah well just to set this up yes it's important no one's sure why you ended up in the 21st century and since there's all these pockets of reality that yeah are no one up, knows why reality is being fucked up yeah no one knows what's going on yeah i will tell you but those are the things that are fucked up and here's the turn while we find out why okay so it turns out the reason you are now in the 21st century instead of back where you should have been is because weird alien dimensional beings are trying to unravel all of reality and they are using these objects 
as sort of like it pulses out and fucks everything up to try and unravel everything. Mm-hmm. And if you don't go and get them back, they will destroy all of reality so that these aliens can rebuild it to their liking. Fuck, it's just a sequel to Whispering Vault. The devil is also there <laughs> and is the devil yeah. and shows up on your ship and is like, uh, hi, my name's Nick. And everyone's like, oh, I love Nick. He's the best. Mm-hmm. And the car- the PCs are the only ones who are like, this dude has never been on the ship. What are you talking about? And everyone else is like, no, nah, we, we love Nick. Nick's always been here. <laughs> That's great. And he is trying to stop the aliens as well, but he is also the devil. So he's like, oh, I'm helpful because, you know, enemy of my enemy and all, but also give me those things. Uh, give me all those things you stole. I'm, I'm kind of fucking with stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, does that mean, and maybe you don't have the answer to this, is the devil multiversal? Uh maybe like that's a big question i'm wondering is when because you got one back- of the things they do is they leave it open to be like is this the literal christian devil or is this some dimensional being that's like i take on the aspects of the devil because it suits me yeah it didn't suit me the moment he was like he was like you know i think mick said it best when you should probably have some sympathy for me and i was like shut the fuck up devil get the fuck out of here you know who said that really well mick jagger not you <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah, the the devil is an, an actual the devil. Uh, the Abradant are the aliens that are fucking with everything. Mm-hmm. And Abradanti Jekyll Monakasuvixes. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. That's the whole name. That's of them, their, their full name. Yeah. Well, we already had a big bird connection. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then of course the GM book gives you a full twelve chapter like campaign to go through. All right, that's... and it'll if you want to go with that because you can just do like one shots or the the couple ones where you don't. Mm-hmm. But if you want to reveal slowly, like, here's what's actually going on, it is an adventure path that leads you to, okay, you'll find out about what's actually happening, why these things are going on. I got que- I got lots of questions about this real quick. First of all, you were called home to your home dimension. That means that the aliens are trying to unravel that and not the multiverse. Uh, they are trying to basically make it ripple out. Okay. It's also why you... they you don't go to the 39th century because that doesn't exist unless you save here because the 21st century is where they're planting it mm-hmm. and it ripples out through time. I was going to say, that's my second question. The fact that you're from the 39th century means that they fail. Yeah, except because of time shenanigans, <laughs> technically they already succeeded unless you stop them. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things as well where because when you finish a mission by getting the thing and it resets time mm-hmm. within the zone, uh, you can accidentally fuck some shit up. And because this is the actual literal past from your 39th century, if you murder someone, there is a possibility of a grandfather paradox where they're like, yeah, this dude was someone who had someone who had someone who was very important to the creation of whatever, wouldn't you can fuck work, your own timeline up. Wouldn't that only happen if you happen to fuck so, like murder someone outside of one of the improbability zones because the improbability zones snap everything you did back to correct? Except death. Ah, oh, for fuck's sake. Death okay. is not changed by that. <laughs> so it is one of the big things, which I also like in there because it is a mechanic where it's like, solve your problems like an intelligent person mm-hmm. and not just go in guns blazing because the, you know, it doesn't say like, oh yeah, fuck with your players they do this, but they're like, Hey, man, you can have a thing where if you go through some mission and people kill off a bunch of guys, 
when they go back to the Celeste, have a bunch of people missing. I, I just or wanna, different now. I just want to be like handing out a checklist before I murder people that's like, hey, are you sterile or postmenopausal? <laughs> I just want to check real quick before I murk you. So have you already had as many kids as you would say you were going to? <laughs> would you say you've invented everything you thought you might? <laughs> You're past your good years, right? <laughs> I really want to kill a lot of old security guards in this game. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to find just... Old Randall, the 97-year-old security guard. You're not going to do anything really cool in your old age. Nope. 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 I mean, I did have plans for next year to go invent an entirely new system of... Ah, goddammit. Oh, girl. Please just write down all the details of your invention. Give it it to a kid. No matter what you do, it's a 21st century invention, which means we already know about it. So I'll just go up to the ship, get it, give it to some kid, and I can kill you all day long. (laughs) And will. (laughs) But yeah, I like that the game is like, hey, mechanically also, please don't murder people because it will fuck with the future. You know, plus it's a heist game if you're just running in guns a-blazing, which is a bummer because a lot... A lot of the upgrades you can take are better access to the tech from your ship because it's not that you can't just take whatever tech from the ship you want. You're just not supposed to because you're, it's super dangerous to expose that shit to the 21st century. Oh, yeah, because, again, if you're like, I go back there and I try and do something and someone knocks the ray gun out of my hand and it yeah. falls into the 21st century, again, you fucked up time. Can I tell you how disappointed I was when I finally got to the gear section and realized how much of the shit they were describing from the 39th century that we fucking have already? Huh? It was like, you, oh, it, you, you can carry around some radar. I'm like, we have fucking radar. You, you, there's a machine that lets you check the internet from anywhere. I've got a fucking phone. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, you no, know, maybe I, it's in a cooler way, but I'm not going to spend build points on an iPhone 131. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so, it's not all that. Like, there's cool ray guns and interesting, neat, neat shit, but a lot of it is just like, you can have a cool little camera. And I'm like, we have cool little cameras, dude. We have cool little spy cameras already. That is totally a thing. <laughs> yeah, but can you take pictures by just going blink? Yes. Yeah, absolutely you could. You could totally build that. <clears throat> I'm sure Mark Rober built one on one of his dumb YouTube shows between showing off his Tesla. Ah. So anyway, uh, yeah, I, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it. Was, I was like, oh, these are a little behind the times for a new game. But yeah, okay. Um. I think that's mostly it, right? That's basically it. Yeah. So uh, what would you say is your favorite thing about stealing stories for the devil? Uh, I think my favorite thing in here is the, I like the climax mechanic of I like everyone's climax mechanics too. <laughs> yeah. What's up? I like going to a service station and climaxing a mechanic. <laughs> the everyone's dice get boosted, but everything gets way more uh, like, possible to fail at and that's it's a neat thing anytime a game gives you a mechanic that reinforces the way they want the game to play it's one of the and things i, I like so much it. about modern games is that yes. they, that's become kind of one of the 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 design expectations of a modern game is rules that support the story rather than rules that we borrowed from another book's rules yeah instead of just being like well, I want the players to feel scared in this. Anyway, you'll roll a d20 for your fight mechanic. And you're yeah. like, all right, well. My favorite is always the one where people call out D&D is a terrible game. And then and you have six stats, beginning with strength and ending with charisma. They range between three and 18. You're like, uh, I thought, did I just read a big screen about how you hate basic D&D? What the fuck is this? I could think of nothing better. <laughs> I have no imagination. <laughs> so... So yeah, that's 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 fair. Yeah, I really like any time a game does that, and it is accomplished 
fairly easily and well done here. Sure. What is your favorite thing in the game? I like the cards. Oh, yeah, the cards are a great addition. The mission cards really change the game, and the fact... uh, The other thing I would say is, uh, it rolls into this, is how good the advice in this book is, where it's like, hey, spend these fucking things. These aren't meant to be hoarded. I know you're thinking in maximum gameplay, you're like, ah, I'm I'm, going to push my luck a little. Don't. Use these because they make the story fun. Yeah. Which I like. No, the... Again, the GM advice in this, super good, you know, trying very hard to be like, everyone, please be on board with what you're doing. Be on board with what everyone else's ideas are. Mm -hmm. Everyone be a fan of everyone else's shit. Yeah. So that's, that's my favorite thing. What would you say is your least favorite thing? Ah, man, it's, it's gotta be that plotter. The fact that the plotter can do what both the schemer and the planner can do is Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay. Problem is, 24 to 48 hours is a vast amount of time in which you're allowed to change whatever the fuck you want. And as long as you're fairly good at coming up with stories, it's always going to back you up in some way. Like, yeah, you're never going to be like, yeah, technically this mountain uh, went into a subductive plate instead of a collapsing (laughs) plate uh, during the Ediacaran period. You can't do that, but you don't need to because you're always heisting the fucking Nakatomi Plaza again. (laughs) Yeah, you don't need to do some weird shit like that because... You know, if you're like, oh, I want someone's brakes not to work in this car chase scene. You're like, all right, uh, I'm going to say on his way to work, he hit a rock in the road and it unbeknownst to him, cut the brake line as the rock flew up into his engine or whatever. Fuck it. I don't care. Eat a dick. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, So, yeah, the the fact that uh, the plotters are. Just probably a little too good is my least favorite. What is yours? Uh, I already said it way earlier in the thing. This is one of those games where I'm like way more enamored of the backstory than I am of the story. <laughs> where I'm like, I don't want to raid a building in 21st century Earth. I could do that if I want. I would I would die and not succeed. <laughs> but I can like see the building. I, You know, all this shit where you're like, oh, there's cool aliens and there's like, you're from the fucking super far future and you went to all kinds of neat dimensions and also... We really need this baseball that's in this Chicago building. And I'm like, oh, I don't fucking. <laughs> so, so that's, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's one of the, like I was saying earlier, it's where all the cool shit already happened. It, it, it's minor. Like, I'm and, not, well, and I mean, that's for you. Because yeah. genre wise, you're more interested in the cool dimensional shit than you are trying to get into someone's room to steal their MacGuffin. And if the, if the game had not started with all that story then I, it wouldn't be my least favorite thing i'd be like this is a neat game set in the modern era that's great but because it did start with all that story it's a shiny thing that i want and so i'm <laughs> I, i'm like oh look at all this cool sh- oh oh no i don't get it oh never mind okay. oh, that's a bummer all right well so that's a fairly minor you know on, on the flip side of that description yes it is an extremely personal thing but it also is an extremely minor thing i thought this was yeah. a perfectly fine game no it, this is one of those games that you know, I backed on Kickstarter, and when it came, I went, oh, neat. This is actually good. This isn't, you know, disappointing, like happens a lot of the times when you get some RPGs from things. Like last time I backed a Monty Cook game. No offense. By, but, but No offense, Monty Cook, but, but go fuck yourself. I backed the Cypher System dinosaur game, because I'm, I'm a big fan of dinosaurs, but it was my least favorite kind of dinosaurs, when they keep making them up. So they're like, oh, it shoots lightning, and it's called a Teslasaurus, and I'm like, dude... I'm already scared enough of Dionicus. I don't need it to shoot lightning and crap lasers. Just give me a fucking game with fucking regular dinosaurs, please and thank you, and they should be fucking. <laughs> fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> the fucking dinosaur system. <laughs> so, what you gonna do? Not not their fault. I knew what I was getting into. I just still was disappointed. But yeah. All right. So there you go. Perfectly fine game. I, I, I'd i say, uh, would you play this? That's what oh, I'm definitely. Say. I want to play this. Mm-hmm. I think 
This is because of the way it's set up. It's great for a one shot for convention stuff. It's fun to do as, you know, a campaign thing. If you wanted to do that, could you see this as a podcast equivalent? Could you see playing this on, on, on mics? Oh, for sure. I could definitely see having a good, especially if you were like for like the sort of dimension 20, where we do one season of one thing and then we're done and don't visit it again. Yeah, absolutely. So that would be a great thing to be like, we're going to do a 12, uh, episode season of this, we're going to go through the whole storyline, and it'll be rad. So that's because, that's great, because I'm here to announce that I would also play this game. It's fine. I, yeah. I would totally play this. I, I don't have any AP announcements. Those take a lot more work than I'm prepared to do on a whim. <laughs> I would I would need to have someone who edits a thing, and God knows that's <laughs> no, not no, us. No, no, we have that. We have access to OneShot's editorial staff. We can we can hire them. They have offered on a number of occasions. We could hire them, but, um, but then we'd need to pay them. <laughs> We, we can make money. And I plan to pay you for that in nothing. <laughs> we, we can make money. But uh, really, our problem is just that there's no one in San Diego that, that wants to do that with us. We, we yeah, are, no one likes us. We're bereft. We'll have to go up to Los it's Angeles. because we stink and hang, and hang out with the, terrible. Cool, the, the Mystery County folks, which are the new network show. So, you know, we'll, maybe, maybe at some point, if you're all really good and eat your vegetables, we'll do another AP. Oh, actually, we started that AP 24 hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> and realized it wouldn't work within six. <laughs> so if you want, here's 18 hours of footage of us playing Mario Kart. <laughs> All of that was a lie. But what isn't a lie is you can get more content mm-hmm. if you head over to patreon.com slash system mastery and join up. Not only, like we said at the beginning, is this going to give you in the future some commercial free access to all of our shows. Yep. Also, you get access to the bonus content, depending on what level that you pledge at. Mm -hmm. The low-end level, you're going to get our characters that we make in these RPGs, including the ones we are going to make for stealing stories for the devil. And you know what's great is that you already decided that you were going to pledge several minutes ago. (laughs) Wasn't that a great decision you made? Man, we should really reinforce that with rewards. (laughs) So definitely get on down to patreon.com slash system mastery and support us at the one soon to be $2, but once per month level uh, to get access to the basic level of content where we make characters in the game we just reviewed, or you can bump to what's currently going to be the $4 level uh, to get the access to the expanded expounded universe Star Wars content or to the new $10 level, which is going to get you everything, including the afterthought and the TV mastery. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. And the football phone <laughs> and the tiger poster. <laughs> You'll get the Ginsu knives plus two of everything. <laughs> You'll get this taco I made. <laughs> A slap chop I don't want anymore. <laughs> A silver bullet. Is it the <laughs> is it a Coors? Is it a bullet? Is it a, the appliance? You need to pledge to find out. I think it's the vibrator. Ooh, love it. <laughs> so by all means, come on down and support us. I'm sorry, these new levels sound confusing. They won't in a couple months when it's standard, but it's going to take, we've been doing it for years, so it's going to take us years to get over saying one, two, and four, and five. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so. That's right. Yeah, so anyway, it's it's all a good thing. It's just so that we can, we have coverage in case we have an emergency or something where we don't need to scramble just to pay rent. Yeah. That's all it's for. Um, and to make things clear, because a lot of people apparently are quite wary of joining per episode podcast Indeed. or any, any Patreon because they're worried that someone's going to be like, I need money this oh, week. Oh, yeah, because the second they're like, oh, as soon as someone decides, I'm not going to do this anymore, they're like, oh, you're going to hit this as many times as you can and then fucking bolt. Yes, and I got to say, I'm really excited to find after like eight years of having the Patreon of uh, of leaving into monthly with a perfect record of exactly 
charging when we release paid content uh, that we're supposed to every single time forever. <laughs> so, so I'm just thrilled about that. But hey, we're going to make cool characters. You should come check them out. And otherwise, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, if you have any questions about any of the shit that's about to change, find us on Twitter or in our Discord. You know where we're at. We're always at System Mastery somewhere. And you have a good one. Well, I got a brand new pair. Wiener skates. Ween. I think that we should get together and treat. review newer games. I've been looking around a while. It's always System Mastery o'clock somewhere. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com.